Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, Open Mic Podcast listeners. Want to share your opinions, give me feedback, or tell me what you're thinking? If you do, send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in future episodes of the podcast. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform that I use to make this show. Here are some things that I would love to hear from you. What questions do you have for me? What did you think of the episode? What did you think of the topic? Who should I interview next? Make up a theme song. I don't know. Do your best impression of me. I'll see all of your messages and I might add them into a future episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send me a voice message right now from wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in my show notes and I can't wait to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to the Open Mic Podcast. Until next time, cheers and be well and enjoy today's episode. It's time for the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Broadcasting live from the Bay Area studios, here at the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. And of course, you never know who may stop by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast, episode number 92. It is great to be here with you on this beautiful day, Sunday, or... It could be Monday, depending on where you live. Either way, I want to say thanks for joining in and being a part of the show. It really means a lot. And if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, if you listen on an iPad or your desktop, whatever the case might be, it would really mean a lot if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, the iTunes store, and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. It's very easy. Take you about a minute and a half to two minutes to do it. And it's uh, super important to us over here, and we appreciate you doing that. Also, big shout out to those of us who follow us on social media, at the Open Mic Podcast on Instagram, Brett's Open Mic on Twitter, and of course, Brett Allen on Facebook. Last but not least, you can head over to the website, theopenmicpodcast.net. That's where you can find out anything you ever wanted to know about me, about the show, past guests that we have had, interviews. All of that hangs out over there. So hopefully everybody had a fantastic day. It's good to be here with you. I'm excited about today's guest. And uh, he's super awesome. What else is going on? It's almost Monday for me. Back to work and uh, back to the grind. All of us have to go to work, right? That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, The weekends just don't seem long enough anymore. I don't know what it is. Time goes by. I just There's so much to do, and I feel like, why why didn't I get anything done? I've also been binge-watching Daredevil Season 3 on Netflix, so that probably has something to do with it. I've been in front of the boob tube all day, so I wanted to jump off of that for a while and get some work done. Some more amazing interviews coming your way. Can't wait for you to listen to who we have. Episode 100's just right around the corner. Eight more to go. Who knew that we would make it that far? I certainly didn't. I am super excited just to keep doing this and bringing you continually great and fantastic content. Well, our guest today I'm excited about, his name is Jamie Kilsting. You probably know the name. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast several times. He's been on other huge shows as well, national television, Conan O'Brien. He's a comic. He practices jujitsu. He does MMA things. He's getting into wrestling, which is something new. I'm excited to talk to him about that. 
Jamie Kilstein, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, let me know if uh, if it's too noisy, I'll go inside. I'm walking because at 36, I decided to, uh, my WWE buddy was like, do you want to go try professional wrestling? And I was like, yep. Uh, so I'm walking right now. So my entire body doesn't seize up. Uh, it is much more painful than it looks. Yeah, actually, now that you mentioned that I noticed on Instagram that you were starting to do that. What made you want to go that route and and try something out like that? Man, I'm just at the point in my life where, you know, I feel like two years ago I was so depressed and like, in the shitter that I'm like, well, I either kill myself or, uh, you know, sort of try to become like the best person I've been and do all the things I wanted to do. And so, you know, I have a bunch of friends that, that do that. And I grew up, I grew up, I mean, pre-internet. So me and my little brothers in order to watch porn and or WWF, uh, wrestling, we would watch like the blurred out scrambled pay-per-view oh, nice. and, uh, we used to put, we used to put like a blanket over the TV so that like my dad didn't see, like oh, we thought that made it, it was invisible or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we would just like watch the old, like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, like pay-per-views and it, it was by far like the happiest we ever were. And, uh, so yeah, so all my, I have a bunch of friends who are like studs and they fight in the WWE and, you know, I do MMA and jujitsu and stuff. Right. So I thought I'd, I'd have some kind of, I at least wouldn't die. And, uh, yeah. So I jumped in, uh, yesterday and I was like, we'll just see how it is. And immediately I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, cause I can't do anything, uh, in moderation, like a normal person. That's funny. Well, you definitely do everything wholeheartedly. So now that we're on this topic, does it require a different sort of physicality than MMA or jujitsu? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'm just learning, but yes. I mean, you get to a certain point, especially in jujitsu, where when you reach a certain level, um, you know, I, I fight aggressively because I'm small and I'm, I'm filled with panic. Uh, but you get to a level when, you know, when you can, like, manhandle most people, it's not like a ton of, car, like, cardio. Uh, I mean, it is, but it, you can coast if you want to. Whereas this, there's just like, like, dude, I mean, I fight professional fighters every day, but I'm like, I don't know the last time I did a push-up. So when they were like a hundred push-ups to like warm up, I was like a hundred what? Um, and then the ring, like when you're a kid, you see a professional wrestling ring and you're like, oh, I'm sure it's made of pillows and the ropes are, are soft like candy. And the ropes are literally like extended elevator cable. So my back looks like just like i took like a jesus beating and then uh and then the 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 mat is fucking it's hard there's just springs underneath it but it's like still a wooden floor that if you like hit your head and you land wrong like your head is still hitting the ground so yeah i mean it's uh those guys are studs man i know like it's fake but uh oh my god like they still what they put their uh through their bodies is uh is pretty pretty ridiculous it's impressive it's funny that you say that because i know joe rogan and tony hinchcliffe are constantly having conversations on social media about wwe and it's so funny it, it is and i was actually watching his new special on netflix last night and yeah. it's funny because joe rogan comes from the mma 
and I they had a conversation a while back about if MMA bought out WWE, if that would change things. I don't know. I, I it's very oh, real. Word. It's very real. I've seen it before. It's there's nothing. Sure, there's certain things about it that are probably exaggerated, but at the end of the day. I mean, those people yeah, are yeah, yeah. physically getting beat up, you know, and, and that's You painful. can't, uh, yeah, you can't fake going through a table. <laughs> or a chair slamming. And like, you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can, like, land right or, like, hit it at certain angles. Uh, but, I mean, both are, both are brutal. I'm actually relieved to do this because in MMA, people are mad at you. And I'm, like, a pretty, like, chilled-out guy. You seem like it, So, yeah. like, it's weird, especially when I used to, like, compete. I remember like the first time I competed in jujitsu. So no strikes, just wrestling. And we're trying to like choke each other. Uh, the dude comes out and he starts like hitting me in the head. And in my mind, I'm like, well, why is this guy so mad? What's he doing? We're just like doing jujitsu. And I'm like, Oh yeah, we're in a fight. There are people cheering for us. And then, uh, I had to like snap into, I don't have that like alpha rage mode. Like I'm really like, uh, I'm play like I'm aggressive, but I'm playful when I fight. Like I really like the sort of like Conor McGregor, Anderson Silva, sure. uh, you know, doing like funky jumping off the cage stuff. And so that's kind of what wrestling is. I'm like, oh, no one's mad at me. We're actually just like we're playing um, and like trying to put on a show. So that's actually kind of you know the the the, the stuff's a lot more painful so far um at least while i get used to it but it's nice it's nice where i'm not like oh this guy in real life wants to break my arm it's like uh (laughs) we're just uh we're playing and we're being silly which is uh that's cool well that sounds like a lot of fun i'm excited to see how that comes out for you and who knows maybe we'll see uh we'll see you in the big ring one day perhaps if you continue to pursue that's the plan very cool yeah why not why not go big or go home? So yep. you now you've been doing comedy and commentary, that sort of thing for a long time. Now, most comics, do they typically choose which direction they're going to go? Not to go too deep into the weeds, but you've always done political humor and that sort of thing. What kind of made you choose to go that direction versus like the typical road for most comics? That's actually, that's a really good question. Um, well, so some of it, I feel like, I feel like the best of what I did was from like a, a really sincere place. And then I feel like it went off the rails and now, now I'm actually, I'm, I'm taping my new album, uh, November 9th in Sydney at the comedy store. And there's actually probably five or 10 minutes of political, but the rest of it's like pretty personal, sure. um, which I'm the, the most excited. But so to answer your question and to bring all of that together is, you know, when I first started, um, I feel like the first five to eight years, most comics, myself very much included are, uh, trash nightmare. Uh, it's awful. And it's not because they're not necessarily funny, but it's because it takes that long to find your voice. And whenever people told me that I actually talk about this, um, with, uh, with this upright citizens create improviser who I love this guy, Don Finelli on this week's episode of my podcast. Okay. So I'm kind of cribbing for myself because I just recorded it yesterday and so it's fresh on my mind. But when, you know, 
when you first start comedy and you're asking comics advice, all the comics just say, uh, you just have to find your own voice, which sounds like such bullshit advice, especially you're like a young idiot and you're like, whatever, whatever, just tell me how to get an agent. Uh, but what they mean by that is it takes that long before you start sounding like you. And that sounds like such a silly thing that's avoidable, but it's not. There's something very bizarre about stand-up comedy and what people think stand-up comedy is where you could have the smartest, kindest, most compassionate person and you put them on an open mic. If you put Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, or like Michelle Obama at a fucking open mic, they would literally get up on that stage and be like, so I'm like, I'm fucking my whore wife in the ass. And you're like, what? What is happening? <laughs> like, it is this really bizarre thing where people sound like what they think a comic sounds like. Sure. It's very like, especially where you're from. So like, I came up in New York where every comic sounded like Dave Attell. I'm sure in LA, maybe everybody sounded like, you know, there was like a very like Dane Cook phase where everyone was like putting their legs up on shit for some reason. Or Greg Gerardo, uh, those guys, yeah. Yeah, Gerald, yep. I'm sure San Francisco, maybe like there were people who sounded like troops and then there were people who sounded like, you know, whoever. Um, you know, we all have our heroes and stand up because it's our voice. I mean, this is really technical, but because it's our voice, it's really easy to emulate. If you hang around someone long enough, you start sounding like them. It's the same with music when there's something about being an amateur, an amateur at anything where, so like I play guitar, right? And when I first started to improvise, if I would hit a riff that sounded like a Stevie Ray Vaughan or a Hendrix riff, instead of being like, oh, I'm ripping off Hendrix, you hear something familiar in a, uh, in a world that you are uncomfortable in. And that familiarity is so uh, comforting and reassuring that you go, Oh, I'm doing it right. So just like a guitar riff inflection is kind of like that with comedy. So if I had a punchline where I went like, bah, da, bah, da, bah, that sounded like a tell. So I would go, Oh, I'm doing it right. And then what'll happen is your first big laugh will probably be on something really cheap, right? Either a hacky thing, making fun of yourself or maybe something uh, offensive, but not smart offensive, just like shock value. Sure. And then you get a, and then you get addicted to that, right? Because the only thing I would rather to this day get booed off stage than silence. Silence is the loudest thing you will ever hear on stage. And so if your first laugh is something kind of cheap, now you're addicted to that. So now why would you be personal and vulnerable? Because like, you know, whenever you say like pussy fart, it gets like a huge laugh. So you, now you have your whole like pussy fart set uh, or whatever. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know who your audience is, by you're the way. Fine. You're fine. You're totally uh, fine. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Perfect. And so, uh, so, so that's what happens. And then, you know, eight years in, uh, you start to, just get more comfortable and get a little more honest and, you know, start to sound like yourself. And then it's sort of a work in process from there. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. like Louis CK was afraid to talk about his kids and personal stuff. He used to do really weird stuff. He was like, he did. his big closer was like dolphins having sex and he would do like weird sound effects. And then one day he's pissed off at his kids and he just gets on stage. He's like, ah, fuck my kids. 
and they started laughing. And then that's what sort of made him famous. And then, by the way, then there was a whole grade of 40-year-old comics who started going, yeah, fuck my kids. So then they started emulating CK and it goes on and on like that. So for me, um, once I got past all that garbage phase, um, I never wanted to be political. I never, I didn't vote. Um, I, however, and I, I started comedy when I was 17. I like dropped out of high school mm-hmm. to start. And, but for me, I started, it was like probably right when like the gay marriage, the same sex marriage debate was happening. Mm-hmm. And I was just a kid who was bullied so my guttural instinct, once I started sort of talking from my heart and not just doing pandering garbage, was to talk about gay rights because I'm like, well, it's just people being bullied. And I just don't like people being bullied. Sure, and I sense. want to go after like the person bullying. And so then that kind of grew. And then once I got a little older, people would call me a political comic because not a ton of people were doing it. Mm-hmm. And so once I was sort of labeled a political comic and like I was going out a little bit with like Stanhope and Marin, um, Mark Marin and Doug Stanhope. And so once I started going out, um, I was like, I guess I should start reading books. But like I was like not a bright. I mean, I was bright, but I wasn't like book smart. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'm I guess I'm a liberal. So I'll I'll read Noam Chomsky. And like, I try to read that. And I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like who's East Timor? And it's like, Oh no. And like, I didn't know what I was doing. And, but then I found, I can't believe I've accidentally quoted to me, two people, but I found the Al Franken book and, uh, I found the Al Franken book and that led me to Mike Tyson, which led me to Aziz Ansari. Um, I found the Al Franken book and it was the first time somebody was funny talking about politics. And even though I had trouble with Chomsky and stuff like that, hearing Al Franken or even Michael Moore, like reading the Michael Moore books, like he was funny. And I was like, okay, this is my language. And then Mm. I started listening to Bill Hicks and George Carlin. And I was like, okay, this is the language I speak. I'm never going to be like an academic. Um, And so, you know, I started like immersing myself in that a little more, you know, kind of started this political podcast and the political podcast in the beginning was we were filthy it was it was much more comedy than it was politics and then i sort of peaked i sort of hit my peak and did conan and uh the show the green room and a bunch of tv and got into the just for laughs festival a bunch and you know everything kind of plateaued but the political stuff was growing and so then i started to do political material because i felt i had to Mm -hmm. It it was just kind of like I I, I was given this label and I was like, this is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I had a rant about gay rights and a rant about the war, instead of writing something that I thought was funny, I would go, all right, I guess I have to write an abortion rant or I have to write a feminist rant or I have to write like an income inequality rant. And it started to become a little more accidentally manufactured sure and i mean i remember i had this moment on um my second to last cd probably one of the only pieces of stand-up that i still like really really stand by i have this story of me and my dad and uh the premise of it is it's like a long it's like a 15 minute story but the premise of it is growing up being like that cliche artist who hates his fucking dad and when you grow up and you're an adult 
realizing that you, the, 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 that what a piece of shit kid you were. And that like, when you become adult, like you essentially realize that like the reason you hated your parents is because they were decent <laughs> people. And it's this whole story about like realizing what a jerk I was and what a, uh, a horrible role I played in this dysfunctional relationship with my father and trying to like make it up to him and get him this gift. And then the people thought I was shoplifting the gift. So now when I'm, a, I'm an adult trying to prove I'm good and I'm like detained by like this like mall security, it's all this shit. And the reason I bring that up is because I was never going to tell that story on stage. Um, I did it at an improvised show at the UCB theater. I did it at this show called ASCAD where you improvise monologues and then the improvisers do like sketches off of that. Um, but I was never going to tell it. And so, but Janine Garofalo, who at the time was one of the most, as political as you can get. Oh yeah. She was, she was in the audience and then, or I think she was doing the late show or something. We hung out the next day and she was like, Hey, do you tell that story on stage? And I literally said to her, like, I can't, it's like, it's not political. And she was like, the fuck it is. Like, of course you can do it. And I think that story probably has helped more people. I mean, I remember the last time I headlined the punchline uh, in your neck of the woods, some dude tried to give me like 50 bucks after the show. And I'm like, what's this for? And he was like, that story about your dad, like saved my relationship with my 16 year old. Oh, and wow. I wanted to be like, well, that's, that's more than 50 bucks, man. Uh, <laughs> but I, I did not take his money. <clears throat> but like personal and vulnerable can be, you know, political, whatever you define that as. But that's just, I just wanted to say that because that's an example of, you know, being eight, 10 years into comedy and still self-censoring and mm -hmm. still you know, maybe doing material for the wrong reasons, even if it's, you know, material you believe in or subjects you care about. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's interesting what the, the brain can do where, yeah. you know, you think you're, you think you're being as you as possible, but something very subconscious is like, well, maybe the audience will like that more. Maybe industry is looking for that. Or maybe if I was like a little more like this comedian, I would get that, Comedy Central special, and then I could do what I really want. You know, I mean, the temptation is always there. I just never pick the easy ones. I wish my version of selling out was telling hacky marriage jokes instead of uh, instead of talking about uh, <laughs> drone strikes and uh, you know all that shit that got me in trouble. But uh, sure. it is what it is. It is, yeah. And I I love that because it's really, in my opinion, a story of redemption in a sense. And not that you necessarily went anywhere per se, but you experienced a lot of success really early on. Do you do you find yeah. that to be a dangerous thing, like looking back on it now, or a good thing maybe for these younger comics that are coming up in the industry? Yeah, I think finding success early on is, I mean, I wasn't really early on. It was like, because remember, I started when I was 17. Mm -hmm. So even if I got on TV at 25, that's still 89. That's still almost eight years. You know, it still fits into around where um, I should have been. I mean, I lived in my car for two years, playing coffee houses, like, and driving around the country. Like, you know, they always talk about, like, the overnight success. Uh, you never see the 10 years that, like, preceded Very true. that. Very true. Um, but... 
but 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 I mean to your point, uh, yeah, I absolutely think so. I mean that's why I tend to sort of give the benefit of the doubt, and I hate when paparazzi and news media is just like attack dogs on these like young celebrities um, because I'm like they don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they're surrounded by enablers. They're surrounded by yes men. I mean, I was hanging out a couple months ago with a really famous older comic who's like known, it's not hard to put it together, but who's known for being like a drug addict and like <laughs> a crazy person. Right. And, okay. uh, Very and funny. <laughs> I, and I, yeah. And I saw how other adult producers, you know, he came to my show and he was sober and it was great. And then, uh, but the second we got backstage, all these fucking loser comic and show producers, started hanging on to him and offering him drugs and offering him booze because they all want the story of the time they got shit faced with the comic who's known for getting shit faced. Sure. Um, so you're just around these heartless scumbags who just, you know, they treat your relapse like an autograph. And if you're 17, if you're 18 in your twenties, I mean, I have a friend who's a rock star who's 24 and like, you know, we're hanging out. He's great. And he goes on tour and just his fucking Instagram. I'm just like, oh, God damn it. He's gone for like a day. And he's like in this like coked up like haze. Um, it's really tough. But to go back to wrestling, I was talking to my, my friend, um, this guy, Matt Seidel, who uh, used to fight in the WWE. And now he uh, wrestles for Impact Wrestling on uh, I don't know what station it is. But uh, he's great. And I was like, there's part of me that actually thinks that I'm in a really good place starting at 36 instead of being, um, you know, young and athletic like all the other kids, because at 36, it's like, I don't really have an ego. Like life's beating the shit out of me. I don't feel like I just, I I don't feel like I deserve anything. I don't need to show off. I just want to listen and like acquire knowledge and work on it and go slow until I get it right. I mean, that's also what I get from like teaching jujitsu and like teaching kids, right? Where you're like, go slow, calm down. You don't just want to test, but incorrectly and like build bad habits. So there is something, you know, any of your listeners who want to work wrestling um, at a late age, I actually think there's, there's an intellectual and there's an ego advantage um, to starting late. If you play it the right way. Um, and then conversely, cause I think about that sometimes where I'm like, oh man, what if I started jujitsu when I was like 18? Or what if I started like wrestling when I was 18? Like how good would I be? Would I? Or would I have been an asshole like I was in comedy? Would I have burnt out? And would I be like so injured I like can barely move at 36? Whereas now I'm like excited about it and I'm fresh and I'm humble. Um, and so... That, that was the cockiest tone that anyone's ever bragged about being humble. Like, yeah, I'm humble. <laughs> no, I don't think so um, at all. I don't think so. Not not even a little bit. No, I love it. And I appreciate your, your honesty and candor. I think what you're doing is great now. And I'm excited just to see what the future holds and with everything that you're doing. Now, you have a podcast now, which I want to talk about. I love it. Ooh. I wanted to ask oh, cool. you, you about that because you had one before, which was markably different, which is cool. So this is different yeah, yeah. as well, and I've heard both. But I want to talk about what you're doing <laughs> yeah. now as far as what caused you to want to start that again, 
what different approaches are you taking versus what you did before? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm still finding my voice. I'm still figuring. I'm still figuring it out. Uh, I'm still catching myself. Um, you know, like uh, a couple weeks ago, I have a bunch of really cool stuff uh, that looks like it's about to finalize. That Very will cool. get me. Uh, yeah, um, but I had a phase where I didn't. Um, and I was like, even though I was the happiest I'd ever been, I was also the brokest and, you know, it was just, it was really scary. You know, I had a phase where I, I'm not talking a ton about politics on the show, but I had a phase where I'm like, I like looked up, uh, this political, this like very like radical left wing show, uh, called like Chapo, uh, Trap House. And they make like a hundred thousand dollars, uh, a month or something insane on Twitter uh, or on Patreon. And I'm like, well, fucking, I guess I, uh, I guess I go back to being political. I guess I should start starting fights on Twitter again. Cause like, that's what I did to get that old audience when we were very financially successful. And, uh, you know, I didn't really want to, and it was sort of disingenuous. And sure. I started listening to more political podcasts again, just to be like, all right, let's like figure out what's going on. And uh, I didn't like it. I wasn't really happy. Sure. And then I went back to listening to, you know, people who my old podcast would have yelled at, uh, like Jocko or Tim Ferriss or Rogan. And I was listening to Rogan and him and my friend Bert Kreischer doing uh, Sober October again. I stopped drinking for October and suddenly was like, oh, I do better when I'm healthy and happy and listening to positive people try to be positive. Mm -hmm. I don't do better uh, when listening to what a shit show everything is. Now there's a fine line though, because what you don't want to do is be apathetic and not give a shit. The reason that I am going to go back to not really listening to politics is because when I do that, all of that energy, uh, I put into being a better person. And when I'm not bogged down by that stuff, it's not that I don't do anything or become apathetic. It's I'm not on my phone. So I'm like talking to children at jujitsu instead of I'm in the locker room tweeting mm -hmm. and I'm talking to them about their schoolwork and I'm talking to them about if they're being bullied and I'm calling my mom instead of tweeting about feminism and ignoring her. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm talking to the people at the grocery store instead of, again, being glued to my phone. Um, I'm writing. Uh, uh, I'm writing jokes that hopefully will, like, bring joy to people. Um, and then I'm taking care of myself. And I'm, like, reading books. And I'm, like, doing shit like that. And so I am uh, a better person. And I think more helpful to society when um, I'm not really that political. And that was always my favorite stuff. And my old show too, is when we veered away from politics mm -hmm. and would talk about, you know, depression or addiction or being confident or like my fuck ups. And that's kind of what I'm doing on the podcast now where, sure. you know, I, the last, the last podcast was about like, me being like, I'm going to be single and then going on one date and like having the most magical night and automatically thinking like I am completely in love. And it was a funny, sweet story, but it ended with, I think, advice that everybody could, could take, which sure. is after 
months of shallow online dating. Oh, and it was the day before this girl moved, by the way. Because uh, of course it was. Because I can never sure. have anything fucking simple in my life. And so she moved and I'm all sad. But it was about, it was about realizing that I don't, just because everybody, the majority of people in Los Angeles online date and go get drinks and then just try to hook up, I don't have to do that. And I can actually have this really sober, magical, wonderful night with this girl and like set my standards higher um, instead of just being like, I guess I just hook up on Tinder, even though it doesn't make me happy. We're, we're so many times we just keep repeating something, even if it doesn't make us happy, just because we're used to it. And we're like, this is what you do, right? So that's kind of what the show's about. But we'll also like, I've had like UFC fighters. I mean, I had Moby on and we didn't talk about politics at all. He's one of the most political people I know. We talked about being insecure in relationships and yeah. the symptoms. Um, I've had comedians, I mean, Rogan and Bird are going to do it down the line. Um, uh, Jocko Wilnick's going to do it in November, which I'm super excited about. Oh, that's I a great get, one. Like, yeah. I mean, Kat Von D's going to do it. I have my pro wrestling buddies are going to do it. And instead of just asking them the same old questions, you know, sure. um, I, I like talking about these sort of like exploring these ideas of like, how to get better through yeah. our own fuck-ups, you know? Yeah, I think that's great. And when I started the podcast, you know, there there's like a way that you can go where you just ask the typical talking points. But what I have found and learned from my friend Eric Conley, you were on his show a while ago. I think it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. And, and some of the advice that he's given me and a few other people is it's great when you can go off the beaten path and go talk about things that aren't typical talking points because, first of all, it shows that you're interested in the person that you're talking to and there's there's, there's more to them than just that. You know what I mean? And so I, yeah. I think that that's valuable and, and I love that about you and the fact that it's really like, I don't say the term spiritual awakening, awakening in a sense, but really an awakening of just kind of simplifying things but still experiencing the success which I, I think i love about your story and i'm excited man to see what you've got coming down the pike i, I really am thanks man and i think too like you know it, it, for, i'm sure you have listeners who will write you advice about starting a podcast um uh and and what i always tell people like you know we were talking about rogan like there are probably people who have started a podcast that talk about like hunting and jujitsu because they want to be like Rogan. Right. Sure. But like what's so, what's so brilliant. I mean, not even brilliant. The reason Joe's the most popular podcast in the world is there's no one in the industry that was like, you know what the people want? People want a podcast about conspiracy theories, jujitsu, MMA, hunting, (laughs) politics that piss off the right and the left. You know, it's it just him being sincere. And when you're sincerely passionate about something, that's why, like, I'm going to have pro wrestlers on, even though probably none of my audience listens to pro wrestling. Sure. And the interview is going to be one of my best interviews was with uh, Kevin Lee, this amazing UFC fighter. And we didn't really even talk about fighting. We talked about ego. We talked about growing up poor in Detroit. We talked about all this stuff, but it was my favorite interview because I was the most excited because my life, uh, I'm obsessed with MMA. So like my pro wrestling interviews we're not going to talk about like wwe storylines um it's gonna be about being the weirdo pursuing something that everyone's telling you is insane um but it's gonna i'm going to be so passionate about it 
because that's what I'm going to try to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why Joe's uh, so good that I only interview people. I I said this on my podcast on Wednesday when I interview um, Don Finelli. I said, uh, I only interview people that I know I'm going to be friends with. If not, I'll do a solo episode. If I don't have someone good, I I don't do like whoever's making the rounds because they have a book out. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Um, I see someone and I go, oh, I can connect with you on this. Very or cool. I can get your help with that. Like you have this bit of knowledge that I need right now. And so I will talk about that with such urgency because uh, it's what I'm looking for. I mean, Jesus, any podcast they do with a girl is just me like begging for like advice. Um, but it ends <laughs> up being really funny and vulnerable yeah. and like people can relate to it because it's not me grandstanding, which is what I used to do with politics. It's like, I know everything. If you don't agree, you're dumb. Um, and I'm going to yell at you to prove that I'm smart because like my wife's smart and I dropped out of high school and I have a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, I think that's funny. That's true. And I think that, you know, for me, when I pick guests, I, I always have a particular curiosity about not necessarily about their past, but just what they do. Because normally if I wasn't doing this, we wouldn't be having this type of conversation necessarily, you know, unless I saw you at a club performing or something, or maybe coming out of a show I might ask you a question sure. too, but that's what I love about podcasting is it allows people in a voyeur type sense to peek behind the curtain and get to know somebody and to really find out what makes them tick. And that's fun. I love it. And I think that's one of the key things like Joe Rogan that makes him so successful is he could have comics on all day long. He could have people on all day long and talk to them about that. But for anybody to go into an interview that's three hours long and just talk about so many other things, I find so yeah. intriguing and I love it. I love it. I love it. Now I wanted to ask you one last question here. What advice would you have for someone who wants to do comedy or maybe a podcast or might find themselves in a similar situation like yourself if you could give them anything to kind of help them that you wish you would have heard, what what might that be? Well, as a future pro wrestling superstar, here's my comedy <laughs> advice. Uh, I I think it's just you can't you can't do what you think people want. My career has been technically on paper very painful because uh, I'm not very good at following trends, right? I was talking about politics after 9-11 and getting booed off stage and having bottles thrown at me, getting the most complaints Conan ever got. Uh, And at the same time, now that everyone's talking about politics and it would be easy to make Trump jokes and stuff like that, I'm talking about divorce and uh, depression and suicide. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's also the reason that Robin Williams saw me in San Francisco and we became like so close. That's the reason mm-hmm. that I got to travel the world. You know, now I, I had to travel the world because I wasn't getting booked in America, but because I wasn't getting booked in America, I got to spend two months out of the year in Australia, which I'm going back to on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, I got to see these places that not a lot of people get to see. And, you know, not only that, but like, I'm not just going to Sydney like I'm doing it to like do this like art I love. Um, That's a a really cool thing. And so that's the first part is you have to be genuine. It's just going to read if you're writing the Trump joke just because everyone has a Trump joke, it's going to be trash. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not going to care about it. And 
you should be talking about things you care about. And if there's nothing you care about, find something else to do. Um, mm. Same with podcasting. Don't try to come up with a clever gimmick. Just like be yourself, right? And then the other piece of advice, um, there's a couple things. Uh, you have to go for it fully. Once you know this is what I want to do, once it it's everything you're thinking about, you have to just go for it. Just you can't you can't do an open mic once a month and expect the industry to find you. You know, you have to sure. you have to treat it like your job. When I dropped out of high school, I told my dad, I go, I'm not going to college, but I'm going to do open mics every day. This is going to be my college and save us debt and future alcoholism. Um, let me do this. And that's what I did. I worked at it like it was my job. Um, and that's hugely important, you know, and that doesn't mean, I mean, Henry Rollins once told me, he goes, as long as you don't quit enough, people quit every day by default, you'll make it. And he's kind of right. Sure, um, sure. I would agree. You you just keep, I mean, dude, the people I saw that were working the hardest in New York, people didn't even like them. Oh, no, that's not true. Like, Mike Birbiglia had a phase where people really didn't like him. He was, like, staying after shows and handing people, like, cards with his info on it. And people were like, what the fuck is this? And then he just got amazing. And his talent caught up to his marketing. And now he can do whatever he wants. Now he's writing movies. Oh, he's yeah. doing theater shows. You know, um, John Mulaney, who got me my first manager, you know, just won a fucking Oscar or Emmy too and um the first thing he did one of the first things he did i mean one he got sober after college i believe and then two he um he when he got snl instead of like buying a bunch of dumb shit which i did got started renting office space um just a shitty little office so that he would have a work area so he could go into the city from his apartment and work uh that's insane and then the biggest thing that I've never given as advice, um, those two things, I've probably given some variation of it over like my like 15 years. But what I've really found recently through reading and meditating and journaling and kind of listening to more self-improvement people um, is kind of what you were saying before where, you know, there's that thing where it's like you are like the the the, the something of the five people you surround yourself with, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so true that especially in, look, I, I love getting together with comics and trading war stories about bombing and about like, you know, our worst gigs and shit like that. But there's a difference between that and people who consciously or unconsciously are holding you back with their negativity, where if you tell them something you're excited about, they will find the reason it sucks or they'll make fun of it or they'll make you feel less than and that could be your dad it could be uh your girlfriend or boyfriend or most likely it's a bunch of mediocre comics Mm -hmm. and i can tell you that i have hung out with the best comics in the world and they all they wanted to do was help other people and you know, um, a lot of times people use negativity and shitting on others to mask their inadequate talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you spend more time writing and trying to get better instead of just bitching about the people who are booking at booking you, you will get so undeniably good that they will have to book you. You have to do that. And, and I'm telling you, like, it sometimes feels cathartic hanging out with those people who are shitting on everything and you feel like you're at the cool kids table. Mm -hmm. I still get like that. I'll hang around those people for a while and I'm like, Oh, this is, 
this is great. We're like, we're like the mean kids. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then you start to feel it like inside tear you apart. You know, just one, one of the guys says something like a little too real or a little too depressing. And you're just like, Oh, that's what you guys are. You're going to be doing this forever, but you're never going to be happy. And you have to balance, you know, perseverance and not taking no for an answer with also being like incredibly grateful for what you have and, you know, incredibly loving for the, the people who do support you. Um, you can't, you can't go too much in one direction. You can't be complacent and happy about everything, but you also can't be negative and not realize that like, you know, you're still like right now, I'm still ahead of where I thought I would be 10 years ago, sure. even though this year has been like a big struggle. You know what I mean? Well, Jamie, thank you so much for taking time to hang out and talk with me on my show. I really appreciate it. It's been a fantastic conversation and a, and a real honor to chat with you. And I'm excited to thank see you. what the future holds. Thanks a lot, man, for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, hey, can I plug uh, that Sydney date? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Got yes, listeners? absolutely. Yes. So... CD taping, which I'm desperately trying to sell out. I think we will. Um, it's November 9th uh, in Sydney, Australia at the Comedy Store. Last minute, we decided to make a, a CD taping because I got a record deal. And I was like, fuck it. Um, <laughs> so I really would love like an awesome, powerful audience for that. Um, and then Jamie Kilstein podcast is just on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, uh, and all that jazz. Uh, and, and then Twitter, I'm at Jamie Kilstein. Instagram is Jamie Kilstein podcast. Perfect. And what's your website again? Oh, uh, jamiekilstein.com. Haven't updated that in a while. So I would just say, uh, <laughs> find the podcast or, uh, the social media. Perfect. And if you don't follow him <laughs> on social media, you have to, all of his information will be in our show notes when we release this episode. Thanks again, Jamie, for taking time. I appreciate it. You're the best. Thank you. Alrighty, folks, there you have it. Jamie Kilstein is the man. You can find all of his information in our show notes. Be sure to follow him on social media as well. Until next time, let somebody know that you love them. Let them know that you care. Thanks for joining in today. We'll talk to you soon. Have a wonderful week. That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Until next time, cheers and be well.